0: You're listening to RiverCast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderland, New York. Now here's Pastor Sean. Let me uh, let me go ahead and, and share with you. I want to talk to you this morning out of uh, 1 Samuel 21 to 27. You may want to grab your Bible, although to be honest with you, I'm going to be reading a lot of passages. It might be a little hard for you to, to connect with, and because we're doing it at home, I don't have the ability to put them on the screen. Uh, so you're going to either listen, or uh, if you uh, get open to 1 Samuel 21. Uh, You guys can share that together. But I want to hope as as you're gathered, whether you're alone or whether you're with your family or or others there with you, I want to share in a way that when we're done, that if you're with others, that you can actually talk a little bit about it uh, and uh, encourage you, uh, especially those with children and at home as dads. You know, lead out afterwards, you know, pray with your family and make this a day that, uh, that you're leading your family spiritually as uh, we share here today. So uh, I want to talk about what it means to trust God and to do hard things. That is difficult to do, you know. Most of us know that we're okay doing some hard things, but we get a little discouraged when things get really hard or a lot harder than we expected. This uh, this past Friday, Susan and I uh, shared our thirty third anniversary, and to be honest with you, we didn't do much of anything. Uh, we kind of figured this out after a number of years that. My birthday is just before Thanksgiving, and then we hit Thanksgiving, and then we've got three of our kids' birthdays in December. Then we roll into Christmas, then New Year's, and her birthday is the day after New Year's, and then our anniversary is the 5th of January. And to be honest with you, we're just kind of partied out by the time that rolls around. We're kind of ready for normalcy. So the biggest event that we did is we we just kind of shared. I asked Susan a question. I said... I said, what's the hardest thing that you've ever had to do in life? And as we both talked about that, what ours were, we both found ourselves in a pretty similar uh, frame of reference, of reflection, if you will. And we both went to the same time period of life that uh, getting married in those first two or three years of marriage and what life threw at us at that time period was the hardest season for us. Uh, Within two years time, uh, I was a newlywed and you know, both Susan and I, great people, but sinful people, and learning to to live and get along with somebody, you know, living with someone 24-7 that you think you know, but you don't really know until you're married, and, uh, and broken, sinful people, when you kind of are having to wrestle with your own stuff and realizing that, wow, I'm not as good as I thought I was, and working through those things as newlyweds and we had moved here to schenectady and i started my master's degree literally a week later and i think we had a thousand dollars in the bank we uh, owned next to no furniture i think we had uh, we didn't have a bed we had two dressers uh somebody had given us a cheap old swayback table it just hollowed like a valley and uh, a couple had loaned us a, a couple of cheap chairs. And um, somebody eventually loaned us a bed, I remember. And, uh, and we had a, had a TV. Somebody gave us a TV for our wedding anniversary. And that was it. And Susan got a job working at a daycare initially. And uh, I just jumped in. We trusted God, jumped in full-time as a seminary student, and with all of those rigors. And uh, I would say about less than a year and later, Susan was teaching at a Christian school, which was helpful but, uh, but, you know, income from that was not great. and uh, and then I started pastoring a church while being a full-time student. And then two years into it, uh, we had our our first uh, child, and I was working full-time. We'd moved to Bennington. I was working full- time in the assessor's office, full-time student, still a young husband trying to figure life out at the age of twenty four by then, I think. And I was a new dad and just, and it just, it was a difficult season of life. Uh, looking back, we kind of didn't realize it. it's not that we loved each other, and we loved our family, and and pursuing God completely, but there was just some real challenges that, um, that we were not aware of, expecting, and those kinds of things. So I want to talk to you about kind of that frame of reference is, Following God's path in life means that we have to trust Him, and we, more often than we want to admit, have to do hard things. So Dan shared last week uh, with a story with Jonathan of the special friendship that Jonathan had with Saul, and just what a blessing that was for the two of those men. But in, in, in reading the rest of scripture, it wasn't just, wow, that's a nice thing that God gave Jonathan and Saul, or uh, uh, David, that they got to enjoy each other. But really, what God was doing was giving David an ally, a close friend, to encourage him through some really difficult circumstances. So Saul was out to kill David, and David has to leave. And, uh, and we pick up that story in 1 Samuel 21. So if you do have your Bible, you can try to hang with me, if you will. I'm going to kind of be hopping from 21 to 22 and 23 and beyond. But 1 Samuel 21 says this, and after David had left, he realized, I got to leave. Saul's going to kill me. Twice Saul tried to throw a javelin, a spear at him and pin him to the wall, literally, and David managed to escape. And so he leaves. And the Bible says in 1 Samuel 21, then David came to Nob to Ahimelech the priest, and Ahimelech came to meet David trembling and said to him, Why are you alone and no one with you? David left immediately. He he didn't have time to go back for supplies. He didn't have friends. He didn't have troops. He was alone. Often our most difficult seasons of life come when we are alone, and it feels like all we have is us and God. And then in verse 3, it says, David said, Now now, then, what do you have on hand? Give me five loaves of bread or whatever is here. He left so fast. He didn't have accommodations. He didn't have reservations at the, the local Holiday Inn. He just he got out of Dodge, and he didn't even have food and supplies for this, that, that life was so precarious and tenuous for him that he had to leave with, with nothing. And he said, Hey, priest, what, what do you have? Do you have a little bit of food that, that I can have and that, that the, those that I'm planning on meeting can have with me? And 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 beyond that, in verse eight, then David said to Himelech, then have you not here a spear or sword at hand? David had become a warrior, but he had to leave so quickly he didn't even have his weapons to take care of him on the trip. And he said, for I brought neither my sword nor my weapons with me. And then What David goes and and Ahimelech gives him, he actually had the sword of Goliath, the sword that David took from Goliath and and killed him and cut off his own head. And he was, was kind of surprised that it was there, but Ahimelech gave it to him. And so David leaves, and in verse 10, the Bible says that David rose and fled that day from Saul and went to Achish, the king of Gath. I don't know what David was thinking But he walks into town, maybe he hid the sword, but like, here's Goliath's sword. Everybody would have recognized it. And he's going to the very town where the guy that he had killed just, you know, months or a couple of years, whatever the time frame was, not long ago. But it shows how desperate David was and how hard the circumstances of life were that he actually had to run to his enemy to find safety. He, that he went to the Philistines and to the king of Gath just to find safety. And then he realized that was a mistake, and he acted literally like a crazy man. We don't have time to read all of the verses. And he managed to leave because people were kind of side-eyeing, and I'm like, can we trust this guy? He's the one that, that killed all of us. And so David leaves, and in Samuel 22, the Bible says that David departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. I'm reading you all of these things so that you can kind of like a skipping a rock across a pond that we can see the little points of David's life of just a man under tremendous duress and just such a hard time that whatever I've been through pales in comparison. By the way, I meant to say this earlier. The risk of, of when we were any of us, you reflect on the difficulties that you've had and you compare yours to somebody else's, everybody's difficulty is different. And some of you listening to you, I didn't paint a very deep picture, but like, Sean, that's nothing. Like, my goodness, you got married and God provided for you and had kids. Wow, that's nothing compared to the hardship I've had. Everybody's difficulty is real and everybody's hardship is real to them. And so the risk that we have is comparing it to each other and we need to stop there. But we recognize that all of us go through some really trying, difficult seasons of life. David's was far worse than anything I've faced. I've never had anybody out to kill me. Uh, I suspect most, if not all of you, have not either. Not many of you even, if, uh, at the very least. And so David has to leave, and he's living in a cave now. Here's the guy that God said, you're going to be my king. You're going to be my man. You're going to lead. And he's out living in a palace. He's got a death warrant out for him. The king's out to kill him. And he's living in a cave, really not what he expected and wanted in life. And then the Bible says in verse twenty-two or verse 1 of 22, When his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. And everyone who was in distress and everyone who was in debt and everyone who was in bitter and soul gathered to him. What a motley crew he had. So he's living in a cave. His family came because they heard it, which was a encouragement, hopefully, to him. I think it was. And then he, everybody that was under tremendous stress or had problems or running from the law or under debt, under creditors, came to live with David. <laughs> it's just, what a crazy group. And he became the commander over them. If I were David, I'd be like, really? God, you said I was going to be king and this is where I am? Why am I here? Let's be honest. We all sit back and reflect on our life and like, why? why is this happening? Why is this going on? Why has God allowed this? Why is this such a difficult thing. This is not what I expected. That's normal in the Christian life because God's following God's path leads us to do really hard things. And our one response in that is to trust God. And so David was now responsible for 400 men. And in verse 3, it says... He went from there. He had had enough of the cave. He went there to Mizpah, Moab. If you're paying attention, he's now moved to his third country. He went from Judah to the Philistines. Now he's in Moab. He's become an international uh, refugee and uh, fleeing wherever he can go. And he said to the king of Moab, Please let my father and mother stay with you till I know what God will do for me. Part of the backstory story that I, I blew by earlier is after David had left Nob and Ahimelech, the priest had helped him, King Saul heard about it, and, and in anger, he went and had all of the priests and the people of that town killed, every one of them. So David realized that if Saul's out to get me, my family's at risk. And so even his own family weren't able to live at home. Uh, and so I can imagine the burden and the hardship. David felt responsible for the people at Nob. And he felt responsible for, you know, keeping at this point his his family alive. And so he's having to find them a place to live as well. Just extreme stress and anxiety and, and difficulty. And then, but God is directing his life. And in verse 5 of 22, the prophet Gad said to David, Do not remain in the stronghold. Depart. Go into the land of Judah. So David departed and went into the forest of Hereth. And then I'm just going to read you the little part of 1 Samuel 23 to give you a sampling, and the Bible says this, "...and Saul sought him every day." Every day when Saul got up, he was thinking, where is David, and how can I kill him? This went on not for weeks, not for months, but for years, and David was going from place to place to place to place, He'd hear that that Saul had a bead on where he was. In fact, at one point, the Bible says that he escaped on the opposite side of a mountain with his men one night. But every day, he was hounded by Saul under such tremendous difficulty and duress, and he was God's man, blessed of God, chosen of God to lead God's people. Sometimes we're at risk. That when we think, well, God has called me, and God's made it clear where we should go, and God is, you know, I'm saved, I know the Lord Jesus, and this should be easier. And sometimes when we face difficulties, we wonder, is there something wrong with me? David wasn't doing anything wrong with all of this. He was merely trying to stay alive and obey and honor God in the middle of really difficult things. So the first thing that kind of wants to recognize is not rocket science, but it's how do we you know, we're all gonna go through those difficult times. We're all going to go through those difficult seasons and some more difficult than others. I Susan and I, to be honest with you, while we are blessed in life and we are so grateful for the circumstances of life, looking at it, God has led us to some really difficult things. You know, even in the that early ministry in Bennington, we became we took over a church plant that the the church planter and his wife had left uh, after a number of years and not going anywhere. And I, I, we met, I think, in five different locations over those five years, never had stability, and just uh, one location, we didn't even have running water. Uh, it just, it just, it's horrible. It's just difficult circumstances. But I learned along the way that God calls us to difficult things and He calls us to be faithful and responsible. And by that, I'm not just talking about ministry, I'm talking about life. So you may be in one of those seasons now, whether it's a relationship that is difficult or a circumstance that's really hard, or, but God's pathway often leads us to extreme discomfort and extreme uncertainty. David talks to the king of Moab, he says, would you take care of my parents till I find out what God's going to do for me? He didn't know. David got up every day wondering if he was going to have to move. He had to live with his suitcases packed, if you will. He had no stability, and he wanted what we want. We want stability, and we want security, and we want a future, and we don't want to have to worry and be under such stress that we wonder if we're going to survive. I mean, he had left his own wife, Saul's daughter. Just just extreme difficulty. So how do you keep going in the middle of that? Let me give you two or three things. These are not... um, not, not new. The Christian life is not complicated. It's not easy, but it is not complicated. It's called trusting God. We trust Him for our salvation. We surrender our life to Him to know the Lord Jesus, and we're to live out in that faith and that trust to our dying days. And all in the while, our job is to honor and please Him and to grow and to be a blessing to those around us. It's not, it's not rocket science. It's not nuclear physics not complicated, but it's not easy. So how do you keep going? Well, what we need to recognize is is that in order to go when you're under extreme duress and you kind of things begin to feel like they're squeezing in on you and you maybe like you can't breathe and you just aren't sure what's going on, or maybe there's such uncertainty, or maybe there's just a crushing reality in your life that just, you know, how can I make it through this? then what we need to realize is that we need to have a clear, firm fix that God is in control, even when we don't see it directly. Look at First Samuel 23. Then David uh, and his men, who were about 600, he grew, went from David to 400. Now he's got 600 people. I don't know how you hide with 600 people. But they rose and departed from Kilah, and they went wherever they could go. Part of you making it through difficult times, and sometimes it is okay just to survive, to live, to fight another day, is doing what you can do, but trusting that God is in control and overseeing and superintending the doing what you know to do and only what you can do. Because the Bible says in verse 14 that David remained in the strongholds in the wilderness, in the hill country of the wilderness of Ziph, And Saul sought him every day, but here's the second piece of that. God did not give him into his hand. You see, even though Saul every day made it his life's mission to kill one man, God didn't allow it to happen. And so in the middle of the uncertainty, in the middle of instability, in the middle of insecurity, in the middle of the the question, in the middle of the pressure, we do what we can do. That's normal. That's appropriate. That's why God did give us a a brain and a mind and a heart and people to help us. But we have to realize at the end of the day, it's not our wits. It's not luck. It's not what skills we have. It's the God of heaven who is overseeing our life. And we have to trust that. Just like when David handed his parents over to Moab, even though he knew he was under extreme difficulty and wanted to provide for the safety of his family, he knew that what he was waiting on was to see what God would do, what God would meet him in the middle of that. If you're like me, so often when challenges hit and questions arise, what are we going to do? What's going to happen? The first thing that we need to go is to say, God, what are you going to do? Not what am I going to do, but oh honey, what are we going to do? What? How are we going to make this? What? What are we going to take care of? but God, what are you going to do? What are are you up to? And God doesn't tell us all of that. In fact, He tells us very little of it, because He wants us to live by faith. If He told us every step of the way, or He told us ahead of time, hey, on such and such date, you're going to have this difficulty, but no problem. I got it figured out. Just follow me, and here's what you're going to do. There'd be no faith involved in that. Faith by nature means we trust an invisible God, who we see working invisibly, but in a visible world. God is an invisible God, and he uses an invisible hand, but we see the results of those things visibly in our life. And it's usually, I don't know what your experience is, but mine, it's usually just in time. It's not the day before, it's not the month before, the year before, it's just as we need it. And so God Samuel, or uh, excuse me, David learned to trust God in the middle of that. The the next thing I want you to recognize is in in 23, verse 16, the Bible says that Jonathan, Saul's son, rose and went to David at Horesh. I'm sure Jonathan kept tabs on David. I imagine there was some intrigue and spying going on. Saul knew they were together, and Saul Saul was probably having spies checking out what Jonathan was talking about. But somehow the message got through. And so Jonathan left him and he strengthened in verse 16 of chapter 23, strengthened his hand in God. That's a true friend who doesn't just strengthen you, but strengthens your hand in God. And he said to him, do not fear, for the hand of Saul, my father, shall not find you. You're safe, David. God is going to take care of you. He's not going to find you. You shall be king over Israel, and I shall be next to you. And Saul, my father, also knows this. David, this is why Saul's after you. It's jealousy. It's anger. It, it's, it's not you. He's just, he's jealous. He wants to be king, and he knows you're going to be king. But God is not going to allow that to happen to you. Sometimes we need to be reminded of truths that we know. And that's really the second thing that you do, is you do what you know to do. You keep a firm eye on what God is doing, and you trust him to provide along the way But you need friends. You need strengthening along the way. That's really ultimately what our church family, especially is for. And we all should have Christian friends and other friends that you know outside of church family that strengthen us. But really, that's the big purpose of what a church should be: is strengthening one another and helping us to grow in our faith and our relationship with God. Helping others have a relationship with God, but then helping them grow and be strengthened in that. And we should be strengthening each other. And sometimes we just need to hear what we already know from somebody else. Sometimes we need to hear them affirm that. Sometimes when things get hard, you're like, am I crazy? Am I mixed up? Just things can get difficult. So maybe you're in that spot. I hope that you are close enough to somebody and a couple of somebody's that you can share transparently, that they can encourage you, people that are aware of your situation, where you are. And if you know that somebody else is struggling, then your job is to go to them and help them because we don't make it through difficult times without having other people to encourage us in the Lord. And so all along the way, trust that no matter how difficult it is, is that God has rest stops and helps along the way. A couple of my boys and I went uh, camping New Year's Eve, so we decided it was a bright idea to go sleep out uh, when it's, I don't know, 20, 23 degrees out, I think it was, and we loaded up our packs and went into Murphy Lake, kind of north of uh, Northville, if you know where that is, and the Adirondacks, and uh, found, found you know, gathered firewood. We got there kind of just in time, but on the way, loading the packs in, I'm not as young as I used to be, and it's it's not a really a steep climb at all, but it's uphill enough, and we were kind of Chugging in there pretty hard to get uh, to get there. Sun sets at four thirty, and um, and I needed a break. We needed rest. When difficult and hard times come, you need to trust God that He's going to give you just the rest and the breaks that you need. You need to be kind of gracious to your soul to a degree and not overdo and build into it. But you really need to trust that God is going to help. And give you those rest stops spiritually, emotionally, relationally. He's going to provide for you what you need, the resources that you need. Look for the friends. He's going to provide those at all, but your job is to trust Him. That's where your focus needs to be. Two more things, and I'm going to be done. I'm going to share this quickly. While difficulty things come, and while our focus is to, to grow and to put our trust in God, the third thing I want you to recognize that we see in the life of David it is don't neglect your life's purpose in the middle of difficulty. Sometimes we want to throw in the towel. Sometimes we want to kick back, and 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 we're not allowed to do that. David had heard that the Philistines had attacked the town of Kila, and so he asked God. He said, "Should I go up against them? Is that should I do that?" And God said to him, "Go." attack the Philistines, and save Kilah. That really was Saul's job. That's what the king's is supposed to do. David wasn't out there trying to like, well, I'm going to go get this so I can get favor. David was trying to be faithful to the call of God on his life. And what God was doing all along is God was teaching him to lead. He was teaching him faith. He was teaching him to be strong in adversity. And so when he heard that His people were under attack. He said, God, you want me to do that? And God said, absolutely. And it's kind of crazy because he's there and he thinks, now I've got a spot to live. I've saved these people. They're going to take care of us. It's a stronghold. Saul heard it and he said, now I got him because he's entered into a city where he can't get out. And David caught word of it, and he said, God, should I leave this town? God said, yes. He said, if I stay, are these people going to give me over to Saul? He said, absolutely. So even the people that David saved would betray him. So life's callings and directions is full of betrayals, full of intrigue, full of difficulties, but God is faithful. But you and I should be careful to be faithful to the purpose and calling of God. I'm not talking about just ministry, though it includes that. All of us, I think you guys know my heart and know Scripture well enough that we all have a responsibility of serving God, and I'm grateful that we have a church that realizes that, and God has those special things for you to do. Be faithful in that. But there's other callings in that. Even if you're in a difficult relationship, your calling is to be faithful. Maybe somebody's being difficult with you, but that doesn't give you the right to stop being faithful in your calling and your responsibility toward them, and so... David, all the while, was being committed to what he knew to do to the best of his ability, given the difficult circumstances he's in. And that's okay. And that often hits your life where our life really is. And what God is doing long term, and what he's doing in David's life, and what he's doing in your life when the difficulties come, is he is forging a deep faith inside of you. You know, when, when a soldier goes off to, to basic training or, or any of our um, servicemen or women, I mean, those are not easy times, and they're in your face, and they're making it tough for you physically, mentally, emotionally, because they're preparing you for battle. They know what's coming is going to be difficult. And ultimately, it's for your good and for the the good of the country, good of the the platoon and everyone around you. And God does the same thing, that he builds into us a character and and an increase and and a willing to stay with it. That's what James talks about. It's when the Bible says, Count it all joy, brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect, complete, lacking nothing. That our job, what God is doing through the difficulty, is that we don't give up or give in in difficult times, but he's forging a deep faith and a resilience and an endurance and a hardness, not a not a bitterness or hardness in our soul, but a, a, an ability to endure difficult things. And so Look to those things to realize that, God, you love me enough that you're preparing me for something even bigger, something even harder. He doesn't want to throw a cream puff or a powder puff out there into battle. He's trying to make you into a a warrior for him and in, in the life and the world around us. So last thing that, that I'll share is, is that the thing that we dare not do is to throw in the towel. We're tempted to run. And we all are going to run at some point, and, and God's going to convict us. But once we realize that, we need to say, I'm not going to run. I'm not going to hide, and I'm not going to take matters into my own hands. I won't read the passage to you, but two times David Saul catches up with David. In fact, one time David and I don't know if it's some of his men or all of his men are in a cave. It's apparently a famous cave, and and Saul goes in to go to the bathroom. Um, I guess that was the latrine of the day. I guess the king gets privacy. He doesn't go behind the trees in a cave. And David's men are like, and he doesn't have his guard around him. So there's no protection. And David's men said, David, this is the chance. This is what you've been waiting for. This is of the Lord. God's provided for you. Go do what you want with him. Kill him. David said, no, he's God's man. Because even though David knew that he was chosen king he knew that god had not unchosen yet permanently saul he knew that saul was done but god it was god's job to remove saul from being king not david's and that's really maturity and strength of soul and so david went and sneaked up to him or i don't know if he took his robe off and laid it somewhere where it was bible does tell us but he cut off a corner of his robe and Saul goes and leaves, and this is mountainous, think deserts and cliffs and you know caves and all rocky and Saul gets off enough a distance, and the Bible says that David felt convicted, and he calls out to Saul, he says, "Saul, why are you chasing me I, i'm I'm a flea, I'm a dead dog, I'm nothing to you, and I want you to realize that I could have killed you today. Here's a piece of your robe. Look, you'll see that it's missing. I'm not doing anything to harm you. Because if I was, I could have killed you right now. And Saul was convicted and said, you're right, I'm going to stop chasing you. And that lasted for a little bit, but then he went back to it every time. And so the point that I want to say is that David stressed to his men on two occasions, it's not right for me to do God's job and to take Saul out. When you and I are under tremendous hardship and pressure, we will often try to do God's job for him because we're looking to relieve the pain. We're looking to bring it to an end. Sometimes men, we just want to, we bow up and like, well, I'm going to take action and end this. I've had enough. And God says, don't do that. David didn't do it. And we shouldn't do it. Now, if God's leading us to to move, that's one thing. But God wasn't leading David in that. He even had all of his counselors telling him to do that. But he said no. So you and I don't dare to run away from it. We don't pull a Jonah and go out to sea away from what God wants us to do. And we don't take matters into our own hand to resolve it. And that's difficult to do. It's you and me accepting the path of God in our life in the middle of that. Not being a a masochist, not just trying to, you know, hit our head into a wall, but it's accepting the difficult things. It's not comparing ourselves to other people. Why do they have it easier here and me and all of that? But saying, God, this is a path you've chosen and you mean it for good. You are in control and you're allowing this. God didn't like David being under pressure and being his life being, you know, threatened, but he did allow it. And God will allow difficult things in your life, painful things in your life, hardships. And those are the things that you grow on. Those are the things that mature you. Those are the things that grow your faith and God means it well. So to wrap it up, what are some of the difficult things that you've had to deal with in your past or maybe where you are today? What what's there? A couple of weeks ago we talked about baptism. Maybe for some of you, are like, Sean, that's really difficult for me. That's hard for me to take that step. Well, what matters is not the hardship to us. What matters is obeying God. And so I encourage you to go back and consider what God says, and you obey Him in the middle of that. Sometimes, some of you have lost uh, a parent. Some of you have lost a child, an unborn child. Those are hardships. And God in the middle of it says, I know that's difficult. I love you. In fact, Peter, I believe it's one that says that we're to cast all our care upon him because he cares for us. And so we go to him and say, God, I need caring. And I I trust you. There's no greater faith than when we trust God with our hurt and our vulnerabilities and we leave them there with Him. Maybe you've been in a difficult relationship, you're in one now, and God says, don't run, don't take matters into your own hands, you're not allowed to do that, but trust me. Be vulnerable to me. Trust me in the middle of that. I'm not saying that there shouldn't be actions you should shouldn't should take in any of these circumstances, but make sure that they're God's actions and not yours, not your taking the reins from God, but leaning in and trusting Him in those difficult situations. Folks, life is not easy, but in the middle of it, remember that God loves us, He provides for us, He will give us rest, and if we're willing to, He will allow friends to minister to us, which by the way means we ought to be making friendships ahead of time because friendships today are the ones that we really need down the road. We usually need them tomorrow more than we do today. So today is the day to invest in those kinds of things. And Dan talked about that last week. So I don't know what God has spoken to you exactly, but as I read First Samuel 21 through 27, those were the things that just David is under such duress. And it's just so astounding to me, the provision of God in the middle of that, God working his plan. So I want to encourage you, when you turn this off, if you've got people there with you, Ask each other, think about it, what was the hardest season of your life? Maybe you're in it now. If you're not, go back to that. And then the second question I want you to put out there is, how did God provide and take care of you in that? Maybe it was before you knew Jesus. You know, God cares about you even before you know Jesus, and some of those things that happened weren't just lucky, God was just taking care of you before you even knew it. But share those. And moms and dads, I encourage you to even have that conversation with your kids as age appropriate, what's appropriate in the room, because help them to learn and to grow in the middle of that. But take time. And if you're there, if you're watching right now uh, alone, then have that conversation with God. Think about it and, and, and give God thanks in the middle of it, glorify Him. And maybe you're in the middle of some things, and maybe that's the question to ask is, what's the hardship now that we're having to trust God in? And and where do, where's God trying to grow our faith? Those are kind of the key things that I want you to walk away with today. So I'm gonna close in prayer and uh, I hope you have a blessed day. Be safe, shoveling snow. And if you need help with it, genuinely put your hand up and ask. Um, we'll get somebody over there to help you and uh, help you out because that's what churches do. That's what friends and family do, right? So let me pray and uh, we'll be done. Father, I'm grateful that we have the technology that we can share today. Thank you, Lord, for the blessing of of loving us and father help us. We all walk through difficult things and I know we talk about this often, but Lord it is so common in scripture. And father, you mean these things for good. It's easy to grow up. We all want to just peace and comfort and ease, but Lord, that's really not what builds muscle. And our faith needs a workout. And father, you make sure that through the hardships that you work us out, help us to accept that. Help us to grow. Help us to maturely and endure. And Lord, pray that you would change our lives along the way. Help us to have rest and the friends that we need. And provide what we need just as we need it, Lord. I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a blessed rest of the day. God bless you. Thank you for listening. Join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. at River of Life Church or find us online on Facebook, YouTube, or at riveralbany.com.